Hello there. Welcome to Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. I'm your host, Shelley F. Knight. I'm a former nurse and clinical hypnotherapist, term podcaster and author of Positive Changes, a self-kick book and Good Grief, the A to Z approach of modern day grief healing. In each episode, I aim to share my clinical, spiritual, and personal experience to help you feel inspired to create your own positive changes in life. Fear not, it's not just me. Each week, I will bring on a new guest and they will share their authentic story of positive change and the tools that they used on their journey. So if you're ready to be inspired, let's go. wait to share today's episode where I am joined by the wonderful Kay Sutha. Kay, just like myself, is a positive changes expert. It's all things spicy and positive. It's absolutely wonderful as Kay shares her zigzagging career. She's picked up and grown in confidence, worth, experience, values and life lessons. And the minute you realise what your value is, and then knowing what your boundaries are and what you will accept and what you won't accept, that's when you'll be able to make logical decisions. That's when you're gonna be able to move forward and fight through what all these naysayers are saying and then move on to the next step of your life. If people think that staying in scarcity mode or just staying comfortable in this job because they just know how to do it, there's no progression there. Especially when I've got in that college that I worked in, I applied for so many different jobs. So many different jobs to progress, to get to the next stage, and I kept being told I wasn't good enough. If you've ever hated a job, or if you're currently stuck in a job, this is the episode for you. Come on, let's dive in and have a positive hour together. Let's go. show, I'm delighted to be joined by Kay Sutha. She's a business strategist, CEO and founder of Uncensored Society. Hello there, Kay. Hi. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited to be here. Bless you. Now, I love you already because I know that you've had a bit of a zigzagging career and it just reflects my own life, if I'm honest, Kay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So it has been a journey. Um, and I guess at the time when you're going through that journey, you don't realize it's because there's a purpose behind it, right? There's lessons to be learned throughout the whole process. And so let me explain what happened back in my 20s, in my younger years. Um, I actually graduated in law and criminology. Even that was by complete accident. And the reason why... Uh, I, I want to really explain this and God, if there's any parents out there, they're going to be horrified by this story. And the reason being is because growing up, I had no idea what I wanted to be. No clue. And people used to ask me, you know, what is it that you want to be when you're older? It wasn't the teacher or the fire, firewoman or the policewoman or anything like that. It simply was, I want to be rich. 
<laughs> and I didn't know how I was going to get there. You know, I had no plan, but that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so even going through college and uni and, you know, going through these courses and exams, I had no idea what subject to pick because I had no idea what I wanted to be. And so I remember when I was in college and I always knew I wanted to go, you know, from school to college to uni, like that, that I definitely knew that I wanted to do that, but no idea what I wanted to study. And so when I was in college, I remember going to the library, going in front of the computer, having all these courses in front of my screen. I scrolled down, closed my eyes and just pointed to the screen and whatever my finger landed on was what I studied. <laughs> Right, I know, I, I know, crazy, right? And my finger happened to land on law and criminology. I was like, well, I guess that's what I'm going to be doing, right? So I got my degree. Honestly, I hated it, didn't like it. Once you drop out my first year, friends encouraged me to keep going, so I did it anyway, right? I mean, I don't suggest anyone ever do that, <laughs> <laughs> right? The, the point that I'm trying to put, um, put across is that you don't need to have everything planned out. You don't need to know, you know, from a very young age, what it is you want to be. And in fact, you might, might want to be something when you're younger, but when you're older, that changes. It continues to change as you grow. And so I graduated from law and criminology. And it's really funny because even then, at that point, I was like, I still don't know what I want to be, right? Like, I need to be making money. I need a job, but I don't know what I want to do. No idea what my purpose or my passion or anything like that is apart from making money. <laughs> and so I went from job to job to job to job. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous, like, from one extreme to another. So I then decided that, okay, maybe I'll work in a magistrate's court. Worked there for a little while, realized I hated it. And the reason being is because I remember sitting in these courtrooms, listening to the judges, listening to these cases, and people were literally getting away with murder. And I used to go back to my supervisor, and like, hold on a second, in uni, I learned this, this, and this. In the textbooks, it says this, this, and this. How did this guy that was captured with photos of young girls in his pockets that he didn't know get away with this right isn't that, that that can't be right in any shape or form and so he lost his job right and because he lost his job because his job was being an IT consultant and going to people's houses if they got kids well that can't be done now right and all the court system did is say to him all right you've got a four thousand pound fine it doesn't stop him from doing what he's been doing, right? It made no sense. And so at that point, I learned, holy crap, these things that you learn through textbooks in uni and college, it actually is completely different to what happens out in the real world. The real world doesn't work like that. So why the hell did I put myself through all of this? Right? And yeah. so I was like, no, 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 I can't do this. And even my supervisor said, maybe this isn't for you. And I'm like, maybe it isn't. Right? <laughs> so that was that done. And then um, I became a youth worker and worked with deaf children because I actually studied um, sign language. 
right, later on. And I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And again, I studied sign language. I worked as a youth worker and there's bosses there, right, that didn't understand the kind of complexities you have when it comes to working with young children. And I say young children, but they were more like teenagers. So they were like 10 year old um, going up to secondary school. And there's certain things like simple things you, you would actually take for granted coming in and saying, oh, I've locked my phone, right? Signing it to me. I've locked my phone and I can't speak to the network because I need a voice to speak with. And, and therefore they don't have a voice. So can you do it for me? Right? And then do it, going through all these little bits and pieces or helping them out with homework and people just not understanding. I had this woman on the phone to me saying that, oh, we need to speak to the owner of the phone. I thought, the owner of the phone is deaf. Explain to me how you're going to do that. That's why I'm speaking to you right now, right? Um, and then, like, coming in for doing their homework, they've gone to school, they don't understand something, and that's why they've come into this youth centre because they're like, they need someone to explain to them what to do. They can't go to, you know, um, their friends or their, their teachers who don't understand sign language or, you know, family, whoever it is, they have to go to somebody that understands how to communicate with them. And so the amount of time and energy that went into it, the actual manager was not interested. He really didn't care. It was all about the money to him. And so I was like, well, this does not fit well with me. And it was a, com it was a constant fight with his manager to get him to understand. But then what I later on realized is you can't force someone to understand if they don't want to. Yeah. And I'm not going to waste my time and my energy trying to explain this to him. If he doesn't like it, instead of me stressing out, me not liking the situation, the best thing for me to do is leave. Right? And so the other point I really want to stress out to people is if you're in a nine to five job, if you're in a situation where it's stressing you out, you don't like it, it's going to make you ill. There's no way that you're going to be able to change these people's mind because they just don't want to know. The only way to change a situation is by you leaving the situation. I saw something the other day. Go on. I saw something the other day and it says, if it costs you your mental health, it's too expensive. And I yeah. think that's the kind of hamster we get stuck on, that we sit there and we think it's going to change. I'm going to become stronger. They're going to leave. I can tell HR. And we get stuck there because, you know, it is the cost of running the home, paying for the kids, pack lunches, all things like that. But there is that recognition you need, isn't it, about the balance, that if it's costing you your mental health, then it is too expensive. It is. And, and I know people worry about, oh, having to pay the bills and just, you know, sticking it out. But there's other jobs there. There's other jobs where you'll be a lot more happier, right? Get out of your comfort zone. Don't get comfortable in a job and feel like you should be taking this abuse and not being valued and not being seen or heard. Every single person deserves that. And if it's not working out for you, then leave. And so at the youth worker, I left. I was like, okay, I'm not dealing with this. I'm done with that. I worked, then started working at, an, at a college right in the enrollment section and I was doing this for a number of years 
And then I don't know if they still have it, but working with like, you know, student grants and loans like EMA and ALG and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and doing all of this. And, and there were so many different episodes that I had with managers that, again, you know, we were going head to head. Right. And to me, I'm one of those people, unless it makes logical sense and you can actually explain to me how it makes logical sense. I don't understand why we do it. Why are we doing it if it doesn't make any logical sense? Right. And it's not me trying to question what they're doing is wrong, but I need you to make me understand why we're doing it this way. Right. And so I remember there was this time when I was working in this college where um, there was a sales and marketing team. Sales and marketing team will fill out the application with the student, make sure they're on the right course. Then they'll send them to my department to just enroll them, give them their ID card, their timetable, and things like that. And this student came in and he, were, he, he wanted to learn English. Wasn't very good at it, right? Not been in this country for very long. Wanted to learn English. And some of these students who are on some benefits actually get the courses for free. Right, but there's some benefits that people are on. It doesn't mean you get a free course. And he was told that he gets a free course, but this particular benefit he was on, he actually doesn't. And so I sent him back and said, no, they've made a mistake. It's not actually free. Um, it's going to cost you X amount. I can't remember how much it was now. And then he went back. He was like, oh. And then he came back and goes, no, they're telling me it is, it is free. I'm like, I'm afraid so. It's not. So I was like, do you know what? Let me come back with you and speak with this other person went back with him waited because this member of staff was actually speaking with somebody else and we waited and waited there and the minute he saw me with this student he basically squared up to this student started raising his voice at him right keeping in mind this guy is an elderly gentleman he's not been in the country for long and he doesn't understand english right um, and started kind of saying to him, well, are you telling me I'm wrong? Blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. That was so unnecessary. So I had to intervene and be like, whoa, put my hand in between on that, you know, hold on a second, right? I'm just letting you know that this information isn't accurate. There's no need for this, you know, like all the, so it blew up. Then managers heard voices being raised. He, they came out, all this kind of stuff. Now, I went to my manager and told them exactly what had happened here. Where I was at, there was no customer service, there's abuse flying around, you know. No student that comes in should experience that. No one. And um, manager turned around and said to me, you know who this member of staff is, don't you? I'm like, yes, I do, but that shouldn't come into it. He was actually um, the principal's boyfriend's son and he goes to me if you take this further and report it to hr i can't guarantee you still have a job because of who this person was and i'm like i can't believe what's just happened here i'm trying to do the right thing someone else is really messed up but yet i'm the one that's going to get penalized i'm the one that's going to get hurt from this and so it was things like that that continued to happen, right? And people were not being praised for the work they were doing. It was more about who they were. If you knew someone that was high up, then you are untouchable. 
And I'm like, hold on a second, that's just completely wrong. And then I remember I was like, no, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to figure it out and fight this because things like this cannot go on. Someone needs to stand up. And I did a bit of research and I remember I started, I joined a union, an employment union. And I didn't just join them as a member. I joined them as a representative and worked um, alongside them to represent different cases in corporate. And so what all of a sudden happened, the minute people realized, managers realized that I'm actually part of this union now, they're all being nice to me. <laughs> I'm getting invited to executive meetings. I'm now knowing what's going on in this company, right? And so I was like, huh, this is unusual because apparently what happens when you actually work as a, you know, for a union is it's very hard for an employer to get rid of you because apparently it's up to, if they want to fire you, they have to prove, it's up to them to prove and bring evidence forward as to why they should fire you. Whereas if you're a normal employee, it's up to the employee to prove why they shouldn't fire you. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden, um, I was able to build this kind of reputation that, oh, my God, if we do anything wrong, she's going to start complaining. Things are going to start happening. And I was like, that's freaking awesome, because no one should have to go through things that, that I've seen and experienced myself. And so at that point, I was like, right, what I need to do is not allow people to get away with this. I've got to fight. I've got to fight for people to have a voice. And so I then became very well known in this company to fight for people's cases. And all of a sudden, people were looking for me. They were looking for me because so many different things were happening and they needed a voice. I then became the number one union representative in this company that had the most members than any other union. And I thought, well, this is it. This is what I need to do. I found my calling here. I'm a fighter. I'm not going to let things like this go. But eventually what I realized is that there's so much fight you have in, in you, right? There's these little battles and you've got to be able to choose your battles because it does take a lot of energy out of you. And so there's battles you, you have to fight and there's battles that you just got to let go of. All you're going to be doing all your life is battling and you're going to become bitter and twisted. So it's up to you to decide how far you're going to go. What are your limits? And again, I had to leave that point. I left the company. I left being a, un a union representative. Right. I moved on to something else. I was like, right, I've got to be in a more of a happier place. I can't be fighting constantly all my life. And so then I completely changed. And I was like, right, I'm going to become an MMA fighter. <laughs> that yeah. is quite a difference. I'm trying to connect. I could see like the difference between <laughs> the magistrates in courts sort of justifying like working for people and then helping people like, you know, the deaf. And then I thought, oh, uni, I suppose it's still working with people, but MMA fighter, you got me there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So I was at. That's quite literally choosing a battle, isn't it? <laughs> it? It really is. I was like, 
oh, I like to fight, always like um, fighting. And I was like, oh, God, hitting people is quite um, revelating, you know? <laughs> Disclaimer, <laughs> don't try this at home. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and, um, and I got really good at it. I got incredibly good at it very quickly because I am someone that when you throw them in, you know, into a situation, I'm going to find a way to survive and figure it out. And so I got very good very quickly. And I remember my coach saying to me, I think you're ready for your first fight. So I was like, awesome. He was like, it's going to be in Thailand. And I'm like, freaking A, like I'm going to be flying to Thailand to have my first fight. Couldn't wait. And I trained and I trained and trained to make sure I was on pinpoint, you know, um, precision with my, you know, all my little techniques. And then it happened. I must have trained really hard. I ended up in hospital. Ended up in hospital. I had all these checks and everything done. Apparently, I completely messed up my spine, my hip, my neck, my shoulder dislocated. Um, I was on steroids. Doctors basically told me if I continue doing this, then I could end up paralyzed. So did you have so, the fight or did you fall ill before you actually started the fight? Before it was through the training. I didn't even get to the fight. Oh, right. Yeah, it was through training. And I was like, holy crap. Okay, so I can't do this anymore, right? Because I could end up in a wheelchair. Yeah. So I was like, so I had to leave that. I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? And so I researched and researched and researched and as a complete joke, I wasn't even serious about this. I was just like, let me just see what happened. This will be a laugh. <laughs> I applied to become a police officer. So you know, when you were younger, you said you didn't want to be a police officer or firefighter. And then you no, got for it. Mind, I, I never said yeah. I didn't want to be. I just never <laughs> said I wanted to be. Yeah. I didn't know what That's I wanted. line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, God, I'm never going to get it. Let me just do this as a joke, right? Building the application form, um, all of a sudden I was invited to come for a day one assessment. And I'm like, what? I didn't think I would get in. And um, so I was like, Mum, what, 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 do, what do I do? Do I go? She was like, oh, yeah, just go see what happens. If you don't get in, you haven't lost anything. You know, I was like, all right, let me let me go for it. Went in for my day one. Oh, my God, I've never been to an interview. Any, it was so intense. So completely intense. Like you had to do role plays, you had to write a letter to the commissioner, everything was timed, you had a person in the corner timing everything that you were doing, then had to have a one-on-one -on -one interview. It was like, all right, you've got two minutes to answer this question, go. I'm like, freaking hell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm answering this and they're like, okay, great, you've got 30 seconds left, got anything to say? I was like, holy crap, it was that intense. And I was like, okay, um, not sure how this went, but... It is what it is. It was an experience and that's that. A few weeks later, I was told I passed and got invited to a second assessment. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, second assessment was more of the physical, the running, the lifting weights. It was the, you know, eyes, ears, testing and all the drug testing to make sure you're clean and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh God, I knew I could run because I used to be a runner. I used to run 5K every weekend. So I was doing marathons and all this kind of stuff. I was like, running isn't is is cool. I'm good with that. But carrying weights 
and you have to carry, you have to be able to push and pull 35 kgs, right? And I'm like, I'm 70 kgs, How, that's <laughs> half my weight. <laughs> I was right? trying to do the maths with me. I'm thinking I'm, a, I'm only little, I'm about 46 kilograms, which I know is Diddy. And I was like, <laughs> I think I'd struggle. <laughs> yeah, right, and I'm like, oh crap. Okay, so I went to the gym, I trained and everything. I was like, okay, well, we're just gonna have to see what happens here. Um, went to so went to do the exam, everything was fine, did the drug test, right? And um, they make you do the swab thing, and apparently it turns blue. And the quicker it turns blue, the cleaner your system is, right? I didn't know that at the time. And I put it in. Right, as soon as it went in my mouth, it came straight back out because it went blue straight away. Right, and then they were like, Oh my god! and I was like, Oh shit, what, what, what's happened here? Like, what's going on? Did they catch something? You know, like, it wasn't me, is it contagious? <laughs> what they seen? Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, That's the quickest one we've had to like for a, a while. And I was like, What does that mean? They were like, The quicker it is, the cleaner your system is. I was like, Oh, thank you for that right <laughs> <laughs> I was like all right brilliant passed my running test passed my hearing my sight it was all good and it came to picking up the weights I struggled I had there was a class of us there I struggled I tried to pull and push I couldn't keep up with everyone I was the only one that failed the only one in the class that failed and I felt like because I, I'm one of those, I hate to lose. I'm such a poor loser. I've got to win at everything, <laughs> right? I felt like crap. And so I remember these, right? So these trainers at the Hendon um, main office, right? I was at Hendon. They, God, these women, they're like, they're not built like men. They're like concrete trucks, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I remember her saying to me, you, you stay behind everyone, go home. And I'm like, oh my God, I felt like I was like being called into the head teacher's office and going to get telling off. And she was like, you, you're going to do it again. Right? I'm like, okay. She goes, you're going to do it again, right? Because I can't send you out there in the streets. If you can't even do simple thing like this, what chance do you think you've got in the street? She went in my face and started yelling at me and abusing me. Right? And she didn't stop. She kept going, and I was, and my blood was boiling. I was getting angrier and angrier and angrier, and I wanted to lash out on her, right? All while I was doing it, she was telling me, you know, keep pulling, keep pushing, keep pulling, keep pushing, like this, right? And she was throwing out abuse, and then she goes, stop, right? And she goes, look at your screen. She goes, I knew you could do it. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> she, she made me get so annoyed, but she knew that, was, that, that that's going to be my trigger. Let's wind her up. Let's piss her off because then she'll do it. Right? Mm, and yes, I, was I like, don't like oh, their approach. <laughs> I, no, I didn't <laughs> like it either. But you know what? I was like, holy crap. Because at the end of the day, she wasn't doing that to be a complete bitch. She was doing that for my benefit. And then I kind of, it was, it was a light bulb that went off. And I was like, that's what a leader does. That's not what a boss does. Leaders do that right and that's the first time I've come across that and I was like that was new I didn't like it but it was new right and so anyway I joined the police force I got through I passed <laughs> did the exams got suited and booted for a uniform 
Um, and that was a joke as well, because when they measured me up with a uniform, they didn't have my size because I was so tiny. So what you don't see on the digital platform, um, and people have a laugh at this when I speak to them on live events, is that I'm actually four foot 11, right? So <laughs> I was tiny and they were like, we don't have a met vest for, for you. Like, we don't have your size. <laughs> you <know? laughs> if they had to custom make it, oh. where the met vest has like these pockets, right? The, the pockets basically filled up the whole met vest. There was no space for my name badge or anything like that, <laughs> right? And I was kind of like, huh, I guess this is what I'm doing now. I'm a police officer, <laughs> right? <laughs> and just did that for a few years. Um, but being in a police officer role, it takes a lot out of you mentally, emotionally, and physically, right? More so mentally and emotionally because of all the things that you see in here. And you're constantly in a negative environment. Constantly. I mean, the only best news you get is if you catch a bad guy. And that's not necessarily a good thing, right? Um, and so I didn't realize how much of a toll it was taking on my body. And then I remember one night going to sleep, waking up the next morning, jumping in the shower like any other day. And as soon as the hot water touched my skin, it was on fire. And so I jumped out, ran towards the mirror and saw that overnight my entire body came out in a rash. And I'm thinking, what the hell's going on here? I called up my friend whose mum is a nurse and she told me, get to the hospital now. And I'm like, what? what's going on? She goes, just get to the hospital now, drop what you're doing and just go. So I went to the hospital, had all these tests done, waited in the consultation room for my doctor to give me my results. And I remember him coming in looking straight at me and saying to me, you were lucky to get here when you did. And I'm like, why, what's going on? What are you talking about? And he goes, if you didn't get here when you did, your throat would have closed up. And I'm like, holy crap, what if my throat closed up while I was asleep at night? I would never have woken up the next morning. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, how did this happen? What's going on? And he goes, this type of rash that's formed is caused by your body being overly stressed. And at that point, I was like, okay, I can't carry on doing this, right? Because now my life is on the line, um, which is so ironic because I thought my life would be on the line when I was in the line of duty, not because of stress, yeah. right? Um, and so I was like, I've got to quit my job. I've got to quit it. I, I've got to figure this out again, once again, right? And I feel like I'm going round and round in circles each time. But one of the biggest things that I learned about myself is that I can adapt. I'm flexible. Um, I'm open to change. And I wasn't going to let anyone, anything hold me back. I was going to keep going. I don't care what it was. Just keep going. And because of that, I was able to build an enormous amount of different skills behind me. And at that point, when I finished and when I quit my police role job, it was so funny because the minute I quit, all of a sudden, these doors of opportunity started opening up for me. And I'm thinking, holy crap, why didn't anyone tell me all I had to do was quit my job? I would have done it years ago. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so 
as these doors of opportunity started opening up, I really had to kind of look at myself and be like, what is it that I want to do? What is it that I've learned from this? What's my next step? And so I decided, and I was one of those people, and I guess most people have done this, and I've gone, hmm, wouldn't it be great if I was my own boss, <laughs> right? Because one of the things that I wanted to prove to people was that you don't need to be like these bosses in corporate world. You can be a boss that's not a boss, and in fact, a leader, right, that builds up their staff, that helps the staff progress, right? And you don't have to be like these assholes out there, <laughs> right? There, there really is no need for it. You don't need to play the scare tactics with your staff and tell them if they don't just shut up and do their job, there could be the next one on the redundancy list. It doesn't work. That tactic doesn't work. And so I wanted to prove to them that, okay, I'm going to show these people how it's actually done now. And so now this is where I started down my entrepreneurial journey. But then from that, it was very much like, okay, I've got to be willing to, to, to change every step of the way. I've got to be willing to learn that, you know what? The world is not going to adapt to me. I have to adapt to the world. But that doesn't mean that I'm just going to sit there and take the abuse that people throw at me. I want to be around people that value me, that are, are willing to listen to my opinion, someplace where I'm able to voice my opinion and it's okay. I want to be around leaders. I want to learn from leaders. And so this is where I decided, right, I'm going to see what it means being an entrepreneur is all about. And every step of the way, I knew that I had to be open to listening and learning from scratch once again. And I was okay with that. I didn't have an ego behind me saying, oh my God, you know, I'm at this age and I should be at this position and I should be earning this much money. Right? It wasn't about that at first for me. It was about making sure that I was in a place where I was being valued because I hadn't been valued all this time. I think we've all been there. I'm sure we've all been there. I mean, I know I've zigzagged, like I said at the start, because we get stuck in that mindset. Like, you know, now I'm 47 and people still say to me, like, when you get a proper job, because I used <laughs> to be a nurse or clinical hypnotherapist, but oh, now I'm wow. an author and podcaster. And it is that. I don't know what it is. It's really annoying is one thing, but it's not so much our ego, is it? It's also other people's it's opinions. Other people, yeah. It's society saying like, well, you're a mum of four, so you should have this kind of income. And well, you've got a degree in nursing, so you should be a nurse. And it's like, well, your father did this and a bit of religion and anything else we can throw in. And I love the fact that you have zigzagged. I love the fact you sort of literally spun a wheel to find out which university <laughs> course to do. You know, think, I'll just try this jokes are on me I'm going to go and be a policewoman I just love that freedom the determination the life lessons in there because you've sort of like fought against systems society you know all the norms and I absolutely love that it's got to be people listening today that are going yes Kay you know because <laughs> they've sat in these jobs and been bullied and threatened with their jobs or thinking oh my god I don't want to be in this site 
court case, youth working, yeah. school, teaching, shop, wherever they are. And we just always wait for, you know, another day. But I love the fact that when you resign from the police, the opportunities and the synchronicities and the doors all open then, not from waiting in a job you hated. Mm-hmm. It's from the walking right. away. Yes. It, it, and that's the thing. You've got to realise that there's going to be a time where you just have to walk away. Right? Because um, if you're going to start continuing to keep fighting and fighting, and fight, even that's not good for you. You've got to know which battle to fight, right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing to become aware of, which ones are the, the fights that are worth battling and putting your time and energy into, and when do you just need to walk away? And so when I did walk away, every time I walked away, it was another challenge. It was something new, something better. It was progress for me. And so when I started down my entrepreneurial journey, figuring out what all that was, I remember uh, after the police role, there hasn't been a single role that I've been in where I had to apply and people were approaching me to be on their team. It was crazy. I even went into politics, <laughs> right, after my police force. Um, and that's a really funny story as well, because I remember a friend of mine who's in the events industry said to me, you know what, there's this event that I'm doing down central London. Why don't you come down? And I was like, oh, my God, no, I'm that sick and tired of people. I'm done. I just want to go home. Screw <laughs> it. You know, I've got enough money in the bank to kind of, you know, figure out what I'm going to do in the next six months. Like, I'm good. And she was like, look, now just come down, mingle, speak to people. If you don't like it, then just leave. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll come down. And I went there and it was not my scene. There were bankers and accountants suited and booted. And I'm like, oh my God, all these people that I really hate, all you know, they're like managers that don't, you know, treat their staff like crap. And I was like, ugh. And I did what anyone else did when they go to events like that. And that was just go straight to the bar and order a drink. Right? <laughs> it's that all the toilet break, isn't it? <laughs> right. And then I remember as I was there at the bar ordering my drink, waiting for my drink to come um, to come to me, this guy started um, talking to me. And it was really weird because first of all, I was like, oh, here we go, another chat up line. And in fact, he was asking me, okay, you know, what is your, your work experience been? What kind of things have you done? What are your qualifications? What do you want to do? What are your career goals? And I'm like, I'm answering these questions. And I'm like, hold on a second who are you? Right? And he goes, I think you'll be awesome as my campaign manager. And I'd love for you to join my team. And I'm like, okay, so what team is this? He goes, oh, I'm member of parliament. And I'm like, what? And he worked with Liberal Democrat under Nick Clegg at the time. And he offered me a job to be a campaign manager for Liberal Democrat. And first of all, I was like, this is a joke, right? Like, things like this don't happen. And so I quit my job as a police officer on a Friday. The following Tuesday, I was on the books of Liberal Democrat and worked for them as a campaign manager. Yeah. What a weekend. I know, <laughs> right? And so I was like, now I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing this. All right? But it didn't last very long. I lasted two months there because... Well, I realized politics, there's a lot more criminals in there than in the prison system. And, <laughs> and 
and I was like, if I ended up in hospital as a police officer, I'm not going to last very long in politics. <laughs> and so I was like, this isn't for me either. And then I was like, you know what I would really like to do is get into the live events environment, right? Um, and what, what's really strange is in all of these jobs or most of these jobs that I've done, I've not had any qualification or experience in any of them. <laughs> I think that's got to be a takeaway for today's show. Right, so if you're just... out there procrastinating about going for that job you really want, go for it. Meet Kay. She'll tell you how. <laughs> well, I learned on the job every single time. And that's where I've come to the opinion that you don't need qualifications. The best qualifications to have is life experience. Just because you have a piece of paper in your hand doesn't mean you're competent at doing that job. It just means that you're able to read some books and do an exam, right? <laughs> and so I, so I decided that I wanted to go into live events and people were saying to me once again, like, this is a joke. You're living in a dream world. You don't have any experience or qualification. There's no way anyone's going to ever hire you. A week later, I got a phone call. Um, and this phone call was, we spoke to someone that knows you. And I heard that you want to get into the events industry. I was like, yeah. And they were like, and this person spoke really, really, really positive about you and told us that if we don't hire you, then we're making a big mistake. So I was like, okay. And they're like, we're opening up an events division in our company. And we want you to be the first person to be part of the events department. And I'm like, okay, awesome. But you do realize I have no qualifications or experience in any of this. And they're like, well, are you willing to learn? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, that's all we need to know. And so he carried on saying to me, now this company was, at this time, I didn't know, it, it was a huge company. It was international. It was a US company, right? And he said to me, he goes, what are you doing in two days? I'm like, well, I don't have anything planned. And he was like, okay, great. He goes, I need you to pack your bags, um, get to the airport because you need to be in Malaysia in two days and that's going to be your first event. I'm like, wait, what, really? I was like, hold on, what about accommodation flights? And they're like, don't worry about it. The company's paying for it. Just make sure you're on the, fl on the flight. And so at that point, I was now traveling around the world, city to city, country to country, for many, many years after that. And you know what the great thing about this was? All these of it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of it, yeah. But these events were all based around business. So there was gurus and experts that are going on stage talking about business. Um, and I'm just there being like a sponge, just soaking it all up, right? I was now being listened to. I was heard. I could voice my opinion. I was around people that were willing to help me to help to progress, right? They weren't looking at my qualifications or my experience. They just wanted to know that they had someone there that was willing to learn, willing to ask the questions and just be able to grow with the company. And that's what I was looking for, right? And so as I kind of progressed and these managers realized, right? They, they said to me, they were like, 
you're the only one in this department that actually asks us any questions, right? And I'm like, yeah, because I need to learn. I need to know why we do things a certain way. I'm not from this industry. I don't get it, right? And I need to understand how this all works. And they're like, oh my God, no, we're saying that we love that. We love that you do that. We wish more people on the team did that. And because of that, I progressed so much. So within four months of me starting with this company, I became the events manager. Then I said to them, okay, I want to learn how to do sales. And they were like, okay. So I started doing small ticket sales in the back of the room. Then I did the big ticket sales, right? And then became the number one closer in the company. And now all of a sudden I'm traveling all around the world, all expenses paid for making more money than I knew I could make, right? All because I was able to take risks. I was willing to take risks. I knew my value and I wasn't going to allow anyone else to tell me what my value was. And anyone that tried, I either fought them or I just walked away. I think that's a really good way to be. I think through all your stories and all your careers and jobs and decisions, like your values, your morals and ethics have just like shone through, which I absolutely love. And it goes back to what we were saying, like it, you are more than, you know, your mortgage, your food shopping, you know, what you're told you are, what your boss says you are. And it's I just love the fact that you have grown so much, but you've had that true sense of value and true sense of self. I absolutely love the fact that I think it's going to help so many people that are stuck in jobs because we've obviously been through these as they say unprecedented times mm -hmm. where there has been job loss and there aren't many jobs but I really yeah. hope that the words are going to help people you know because you've said it's about a willingness to learn it's about experience over qualification you know you're not going to get it from a textbook and there is an element of it is who you know not what you know right but I've I just love it because I think we get so stuck and we think, oh, if only I had that qualification, if only I had that opportunity. But yeah. there's more leaps of faith, I think, that's needed, really. Definitely. Um, and I think it's, um, people are so much in this scarcity mode. Yeah. Right? And there's so many people also lacking confidence they don't believe they stop believing in themselves because they listen to all these naysayers around them that actually don't have a clue what's going on right most of these managers that sit in the office don't know the work that's actually put into it to to actually make this business run these corporations run right and there's people out there that are slogging their guts out and they're just not being praised for it. They're not being told, well done, we appreciate you. And it's knowing what your value is. You gotta know what your value is first, right? And you don't let anyone else dictate that. And the minute you realize what your value is and then knowing what your boundaries are and what you will accept and what you won't accept, that's when you'll be able to make logical decisions. That's when you're going to be able to move forward and fight through what all these naysayers are saying and then move on to the next step of your life. If people think that staying in scarcity mode or just staying comfortable in this job because they just know how to do it, there's no progression there. Especially when, oh God, in that college that I worked in, I applied for so many different jobs. So many different jobs to progress, to get to the next stage. And I kept being told I wasn't good enough. 
constantly being told there was even one time where someone left a job and I stepped up to do it right for six months I was doing this role no complaints or nothing I just carried on doing it I was so happy because I was like when they put this job out you know for someone to fulfill it full time I was like I'm totally gonna get it because I've been doing it for six months right I applied um, other people applied I went for the interview guess what I didn't get the job and when I was at home a second I've been doing this job for six months how the hell have I not got this job it makes no sense do you know what the excuse was no I have no idea <laughs> they, the, the manager told me that in the interview I came across ghetto 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 was the, the, the reason that they didn't give me the job because I came across ghetto and so when I said to them what does that mean what would you mean by that and then she said you use too many hand gestures and I was like other people would think you know that's me being passionate about the job not being ghetto just because I'm using hand gestures means excitement means passion doesn't mean I'm being ghetto unless like, you know, I pulled up two fingers to, to, you know, like a gun or something, you know, which I didn't do. I'm like, it made no sense. It was just an excuse. They didn't want to give me that role. They wanted to give it to somebody else and pay them a lot less. That's all it came down to. It was all politics. That's awful. I'm sure there's loads of people that have been like that, though, where, you, you know, you do this job don't you like someone leaves you sort of onto a promise but then to not get it you're just thinking really yeah and then they had the cheek to ask me to train up this new person I'm like well if I'm not good enough for the job I'm not good enough to train anyone good for you girl (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's all these sorts of things and I was like yeah you know my time was coming to an end in that place clearly yeah I do believe that like sometimes we think we're in the right place at the right time and then the universe I don't know what it is looks down thinks no love (laughs) and you get that push don't you you do and that's exactly it right so every time something doesn't work your way is not because the world is against you everyone's against you life is against you it's because the universe is trying to direct you to the path that you should be on because you're not down the path that you should be on right now that's what I believe in. Yeah. Right? There's a show episode recently, and I can't remember who it was, but we said in it that sometimes it's not rejection, it's redirection. That's right. And it really yeah. helped me as I, I like that because it's so easy to overthink things and personalize it, and your self-worth goes down, and then you think I'm not going to do it again, not going to put myself out there. But I think we always end up where we're meant to be. Yes, but you've got to allow yourself to do that as well. When opportunities um, open up, people ignore it. And opportunities don't come around very often. So when it does happen, just jump, take that risk and see what's going to happen next. Right, but I guarantee that there's going to be another lesson for you to learn then. There's going to be some sort of progression. If you keep staying in that one place just because you're comfortable, there's going to be no progression and you're going to be going to pieces. You're going to be pulling out your hair because you're going to keep come into this wall and you're not going to be able to go any further yeah so always always take a risk 
don't be scared whatever happens happens but if you just let faith and just let things happen naturally and don't force it it generally just works out that's what I've learned that's what I believe right and I've experienced that myself but in order for you to progress and wanting to you know to be more then you got to allow yourself to take those steps and don't just think it's going to land on your lap you've got to take action yeah I absolutely love that so when you were traveling the world and all things like that is that where you're at today or is there a final part of your story oh oh god no so that was this is this has all happened before I even um built my own business right Oh my goodness. So there's so much more to say. So while I was traveling around and it was all good, I was in the peak of my career and I was like, can't get any better than this. <laughs> and then the CEO, CEO called me up and he goes to me, I've just bought a resort in Costa Rica, right? Where he's going to be holding his masterminds and where people are paying $60,000 or more to be there right so it's very high profile mastermind events i was that awesome and he goes i want you to be one of the team members that's got that goes out there and sets this up and i'm like holy crap i'm like really he goes yeah and I'll, he goes you're gonna have your own apartment which i'm gonna pay for i'll pay for your flights to get there food drink everything all expenses paid for you just need to be there and I said to him, what well, can I do a one month trial to see how I like it? If I don't like it, then I'm not going to stay. And he goes, yeah, sure, do that. That's fine. Right? Got there. Oh, my God. It was like on a beachfront. There was a swimming pool, palm trees, coconut. Like, it was paradise. <laughs> I'm like, why the hell would no one want to do this? Right? And so I had my own apartment. I even had my own chauffeur come and pick me up from my apartment, take me to the resort, and take me back home again. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> And so I was there for three weeks. Then it happened. The company shut down. The company shut down, which means I now was evicted because all the company accounts got shut down. Could no longer pay for my apartment. I had no food and I had no water. Everything was done by the company, right? Now, every single one of us um had an account that was attached to the company because it was attached to the company all of our accounts got shut down and now i'm there i'm like holy crap i'm now homeless in a foreign country i don't speak the language what the hell am i gonna do and as i looked over and i could see um, my other teammates they were crying, they were stressing out, they were mad, they, they were going through all these negative emotions. And I just sat there and no word of a lie, I sat there and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I could not stop laughing because it was such a ridiculous situation. It was all out of my control. I didn't see it coming. And one of my superpowers is that I can see what many people can't. I have a completely different perspective to a lot of different people. And because of that, I sat there and I was like, when you think about the Tony Robbins of the world, the Les Browns of the world, they were all homeless at one point and now they're multimillionaires. So to me, I was like, holy crap, I'm going to be a millionaire. 
right? Because in my mind, you had to be homeless at one point to become a millionaire. But because I had that perspective, I realized that I was able to think outside the box, get creative, and find a solution to get me out of this situation. So what I did was I was like, all right, so I'm in this resort. This resort was still open because it was set up as a different entity to the rest of the business. So it was still going, it wasn't shut down. But yet they still had bills to pay, staff to pay, that had no income coming in anymore. So I went up to the resort manager and said to her, listen, you need to keep this business going. You still got bills to pay. Let me help you bring in clients, bring in leads, promote this business, social media, do all the good stuff. In return, I need my basic needs met. I need roof over my head, I need water, and I need food. And because she knows it costs thousands of dollars to hire a coach to do this, and all I was asking for was my basic needs met, she jumped right on it. She jumped right on it. So therefore my basic needs were met. And then I was like, hmm, I wonder how many other businesses I can do this for and raise money to get a flight back out. And so I started going to the different restaurants and the hotels on the coast where we was at, started helping them raise the money to then get a ticket to get myself back home. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was consumed in all the negative emotions. And you've got to realize that when you are in situations, there's always an answer. Well, those answers aren't going to come to you if you're so focused in the misery of it. Switch it up, get a different perspective, find the good in everything to push you to find a solution to get you out of a situation you don't want to be in. I knew for me it was going to be temporary, it wasn't going to be permanent. So anyone that's in a nine-to-five job or in a job that they absolutely freaking hate, there's a solution behind it, but it all down, it's all down to you. Now, do you want to change? Do you want to learn something new? Do you want to get out of this situation? Are you willing to do that for yourself or do you not value yourself enough to, you know, to find something better for yourself? It's all down to the individual. Everything is possible. And so there's three things that I've learned. There's three main commodities in the world that are so vitally important. And that's money, time, and change. Now, when I say to most people, I ask them out of those three, which is the most vital, the biggest importance? Every single person says to me, time. Because once you lose time, you don't get it back. And whilst that is important, in this scenario, it's incorrect. And the reason for that is because, would you agree that every single person on this planet, no matter what country, what background, what culture, every single person has the exact same time? The answer is yes. So why is it that some people can make hundreds of thousands of dollars in a day, but yet others can only make a hundred dollars in a day. And the reason for that is because of change of habits. Change is the most important when it comes to success. 
And I don't just mean in business, in personal life as well. If you want to make changes, if you're in a place that you're not happy, then you need to realize what habits you have, which ones are working for you, and which ones are no longer serving you. The ones that are no longer serving you, you've got to be willing to forget and change. Start building new habits that have a successful life. To build a life that you know you deserve. The minute you're willing to make those changes and you're open, your arms are open to change and you're willing to learn, that's when success is going to come around. I absolutely love that. I was going to ask you, like for people listening, what is your one positive change they can make today? Is that what you would say, like to embrace change? That's right. Embrace change is nothing wrong with it. Okay. And we have to embrace change. Why? Because the world continues to change. It continues to evolve, right? Evolution never goes backwards. It keeps moving forward. And that's exactly what we need to do. Being stuck in the mindset that you're going to keep doing the things you're going to be doing because you've always been doing them. Well, there's going to come to a point where you're going to hit a brick wall and it's no longer going to work for you anymore. It's no longer going to serve you. And so just as an example of like the pandemic, no one saw it coming, right? No one could have been prepared for it. And there's so many people out there that are living in misery because they have lost jobs, they've been redundancy, there's so many things going on. Are you going to sit there in a corner and blame the whole world? Or are you going to see this as an opportunity to learn something new, to start looking at what your passion is, to start following your passion? Maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is a time where the universe is telling you, you need to stop doing what you're doing. It ain't working for you. Let's change. Let's pivot. Let's shift. Right? So it's down to you. You can look at things, you know, miserably, or you can look at it as a challenge, as a positive, as an opportunity. But it's, again, it's down to every single individual as how you want to take things. It's all to do with perspective. Perspective is everything. Gain a positive perspective on everything you go through, even the negative, and learn the lesson and move forward. I absolutely agree. But there I'm, I'm all feisty about things, positive change. <laughs> so bless you. Um, it's got to resonate with people today because we've all done jobs with hay, I'm sure. And if not, yeah. how how have you not but um, <laughs> but bless you you have a freebie for the listeners so tell them how they can find that yes so i've created a program it's actually on my website um www.uncensoredsociety.com and it, it's called going from busy to being productive and what that is is a mini program about what i just talked about about change it's putting pen to paper what your long-term goals are what your short-term goals are and because I've heard so many excuses where people don't have time or that, you know, they can't change or what about their bills and what about this, that, this excuses go on and on. Let's start looking at where you're putting in your time the most. So when I've done this with some of my clients, it's funny because recently it's been, oh, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. But then when I look at where your time is being spent on a daily basis, guess what? They've been watching six hours of Netflix every day. Yeah, and Netflix or Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> on social media, scrolling down constantly, right? And that's not going to serve you, right? No way. There's no room for progression by doing that. So let's now look at where your habits are. And this is what this program is going to do. It's going to... It's going to reveal to you where your habits are and where you need to change them. The minute you realize that and you put those changes 
enforce and realize what you need to change, that's where you're going to see success. And you're going to eventually see day by day, step by step, you're going to be closer and closer to that end goal. I love it. I've loved all of this. So Kay Sutha, thank you so much. I love the fact you're four foot 11 and just absolutely action packed. Thank you for joining me today. Oh my God, thank you for this opportunity. I've loved it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kickbook from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at ShellyFKnight, life goes on. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing.